everybody. Welcome to episode 52 of the Book Cougars, two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. We're back together again out of the hallway at Book Expo. Yes. <laughs> We're sitting in our normal chairs. Our, our normal recording studio. Yes. A.K.A. Emily's living room. That's right. <laughs> So this is weird. We were together 24-7 at Book Expo for, like, what, three or four days? Yeah. And then, bam, we were separated. Emily went off to Denver to do a road trip with her daughter, yeah. and I was at home alone. Well, Laura was there, but I was like, where's Emily? I, I was know. like, after all that together time, and then it was like, no Emily. It was, it was sad. weird. It was weird. Yeah. I agree. And I covered several thousand miles between then and now and I'm tired and I'm glad to be home back with you talking books yeah and and recapping book expo because we had episode 51 was kind of a for those of you who listen you know a little in hallway recording of our you know gallivants at book expo but we're going to go a little bit more in depth yeah 51 we had a conversation with Russell from Ink and Paper blog and then we recapped the editor's buzz books. Right. So if you're looking for hot titles coming out later this summer, fall, even into 2019, we recapped the six adult titles and five or six YA titles. Right. So Episode 51. Yeah. But now here we are with episode 52. And right. we have a winner for our 50th giveaway. Yes. Jennifer and her daughter, Lily, won the... Two books for our upcoming read-alongs, which are Little Women by Louisa May Alcott and March by Geraldine Brooks. Congratulations, ladies. Yeah, mother-daughter read-along. I love it. It's like a read-along bonus. I think that's so fun. It is. That's cool. And reminder to everybody that we have a Goodreads group, and within the Goodreads group page, I guess you would say, we have... Um, each of our episodes are listed there. If people want to talk about anything we've talked about in, in you know further on those episodes, you can. But then we also have things in place for the re- each of the read-alongs, and yeah. people are already posting. And those are spoiler allowed yeah. places. Yeah, you could just say spoiler alert right. at the beginning if you yeah. feel so inclined. But it is a place for conversation about the book that we're right. reading. So. And a reminder is June 21st, we'll be discussing Little Women, and July 19th, we'll be discussing March. And then if you're a true overachiever, August 30th, we'll be discussing Meg, Joe, Beth, Amy, The Story of Little Women by Anne Boyd Rue. Yes. We need to find out if that's actually how you pronounce her name. We'll do that before we meet with her. (laughs) Before we meet with her, (laughs) Or maybe we'll just ask her. (laughs) And then also... um, Chris was the social media maestro during Book Expo, and many people commented on the cool Book Cougars tote bags yes. that we were carrying and filling with books. <laughs> yes, we had we had uh, Book Cougar tote bags made. We got the large size, and yeah, so people commented about that and wanted to know where they could get them. So if you were interested in doing that, they are available for purchase on Zazzle, and you can just... Probably Google Zazzle Book Cougars, and they should come up that way. Right. And and then Emily will put in a link in the show notes as well if you wanted to check that out. And we also made a mug with a cool quote. Um, and we're probably going to put some more mugs up there with various quotes that we like. Yeah. And we have one listener who's already posted a picture of her mug by her yes. Little Women in March books, which was really fun. So awesome. if you do buy something and you want to show us 
you know, show yourself or, you know, a body part or whatever you feel comfortable <laughs> with using it, we would love to see that. That's always fun. Yeah, that was Rob, and she posted it with some books. And, and then a magazine called Book Woman, mm-hmm. which I hadn't heard of that. Yeah, I hadn't either. So, yeah, yeah we want to know more about that magazine. Yeah, yeah that's for very sure. cool. Yeah. Book Expo, a lot of fun. Yeah. I got home. I spent Saturday in my comfy chair just kind of chilling. And I on Sunday, I was either going to go to BookCon or I was going to go up to the Mohegan Sun to see Ruth Ware, who mm-hmm. was there with Bank Square Books, mm-hmm. was there hosting her. And I thought, well, I'll just decide in the morning what I feel like. And then Sunday morning rolled around, and I was sick as a dog. I woke up with a raging sore throat, and so I didn't go anywhere. And I was actually in bed for part of the week, really sick. I had no idea either. I feel like a terrible friend. I was just, you know... Well, you were road tripping. Moving the world. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A.K.A. my daughter and my two grand dogs. Yes, yes. (laughs) Oh, I'm glad that you're feeling better. We do both have uh, cups of tea here and, you know, honey and all sorts of things. Our throat coat tea. Yes, Yes. hopefully we can get through the episode without, you know, hacking too much in your ears. So So what are you currently reading, Chris? I'm currently reading a couple things. A thriller by Lone Thiels, I believe is how you pronounce her name. It's called Fatal Crossing. And it it's a Danish book. She's a Danish writer, so it's translated, and it is about two Danish girls who disappeared on a a ferry on a boat going to England in 1985. Mm. And she the is a reporter for a Danish paper, and she's stationed in London, and she buys this trunk, an old suitcase, an old leather suitcase at a secondhand shop. And there are photographs that kind of fall out of it. Mm. And the photographs are possibly connected to these two girls and possibly to a serial killer who's been in prison for decades, or at least 10 years, I think. So it is a mystery thriller, crime thriller, serial killer type thing. But I'm really liking the main character. There's a... uh, I love hot dogs. Our Chicago gal. <laughs> yeah, hot dogs. And it was funny because there's... I didn't know that uh, hot dogs were a thing in Denmark. Yeah, I, no I don't idea. think I knew that either. Yeah, apparently yeah. they're big street food there. Mm. So the, the main character kind of laments that um, one of the things she craves when she goes home to visit her dad is to, to get a good hot dog because she laments that London doesn't know how to do hot dogs. Kind of like so. how you lament Connecticut doesn't know yeah, how to do a hot dog, right? Exactly. Well, now, or they're just now, not available very much. Yeah, there definitely aren't hot dog carts. Right? Yeah. I mean, you can go to New York for that. But yeah. now, see, now my cook brain wants to know what the toppings are on a hot dog in Denmark. It's interesting. I looked it up, and we'll okay. have to look it up, and okay. or we could talk. But there, you know, it's kind of like Chicago. There's People argue about what the standard toppings are. Right. But there is a young entrepreneur here in town in Guilford who opened up a hot dog cart on the Guilford Green just last week. Oh, I've not seen it. Yeah, it just it's brand new. Um, somebody posted about it on Facebook, so of course I had to go. And yeah. They have a couple variety of hot dogs and various toppings. Were you satisfied? Yeah. I was. Oh, good. Yes. Oh, I'll have to go. How yeah. fun. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So I'm reading, yeah, so that's Fatal Crossing by Lon Thiels. 
I'm reading a book that I was very excited to pick up at Book Expo called Unsheltered. It's the new Barbara Kingsolver. I'm a big Barbara Kingsolver fan. And um, it is not going to release until October 2018. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> um, and I'm really enjoying it. Admittedly, I have not read much. I had two airplane rides, so I did get to read on those. But the last week since I've seen you, I have been busy. Yeah. But, um, but I'm enjoying it. And the, I'll talk more about it because I will be finished by the next episode. It's, it's some good Barbara Kingsolver. The last Barbara Kingsolver I read was Flight Behavior, mm. which I want to say came out a couple of years ago. And I still have her book. I think it's called Animal, Mineral, Vegetable, mm-hmm. something like that. That is a nonfiction when she and her family chose to move off the grid. And I have not read it. And it's so in my wheelhouse. Yeah. So, And Jacob read it in school. I'm staring at my bookshelf because there it sits. Okay. So Now, see, that's the only Kingsolver I have read. I've tried her fiction and I just can't get into it. Mm. And I, you would think I would. Yeah. Um, and so many of my friends who love her are like, you have to read her. And I've yeah. tried. I just, you know, maybe I'll try again. It's probably yeah. been about 10 years. Yeah, this one is interesting. It's um, It goes back and forth in time. Again, I'll talk in more detail about it. But the she wrote it in response to what's happening in the country now. Mm-hmm. So the, the basic premise of it is evolution, because the back in time is during the time of Darwin, the, Darwin's discoveries. And the current day is like now we're living in, in a world where we're viewing, we're viewing the extinction of possible extinction of our planet, mm-hmm. right? Because of what we're doing. There's an upper for you. So, <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, like I said, when I finish it, I will talk more about it. I always like to think that humans will destroy. Well, it's not that I like to think this. <laughs> I think that humans will destroy, will destroy ourselves. Before we destroy the planet, that we'll kill true. ourselves off yeah. and the planet will rejuvenate and move along without us. Yeah. Well, that's, that's actually kind of a nice way of thinking of it. Because it'll be after we're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Unsheltered Barbara Kingsolver. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also reading a, a book that had been uh, mentioned before. The American Byron, Homosexuality and the Fall of Fitzgreen Halleck by John Halleck. Halleck, Halleck. Yeah, that's... Distant relatives. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, Fitzgreen Halleck, again, he is a poet of the 19th century primarily. He was born in 1790 here in Guilford, Connecticut, where we are uh, currently recording from. And it's an interesting book. It's I think it's from the guy's dissertation. So it is not a popular read in terms of like it wasn't necessarily read for a popular written for a popular audience right and the writing is uneven and inconsistent and difficult at times so i'm I'm slowly making my way through it and obviously i'm kind of flipping around circling a lot of names of other 19th century writers that mm. i've heard about that are no longer common names that you hear a lot like Lydia Maria Child but what was interesting was Halleck again he was born in 1790 he left Guilford when he was about I think 19 he went and moved to New York City because he had gone there on business and fell in love with it and moved and lived there for most of his life he came back to Guilford as an elderly man but what I found really interesting is Halleck is kind of framing the issue of homosexuality in the early 19th century because a lot of people say well it wasn't really a category that was established until the late 19th century when the sexologists were 
categorizing sexual behavior. Hmm. But obviously there have been sexual activity across the spectrum ever since then. So just because it wasn't a category that was scientifically noted didn't mean that people lived their lives expressing themselves freely. So the book so far is talking about Halleck and his struggles, and it's looking at his poetry and finding ways that he encoded Mm. his poetry to reflect same-sex love and ways, you know, other poets have done it too, but, you know, specifically his own encoding. And one of the disturbing things I found was that one of Guilford's founders was killed. He was murdered by the state for being a sexual, quote, deviant. Oh, God. Yeah. So he was killed. He was executed for supposedly having experienced sodomy while he was still in England, but encouraging boys to masturbate. So he was actually tried in New Haven and executed for that behavior. Now, what's interesting is that the author of this book frames it in a way talking about the Puritans and why they were so against any type of homosexual behavior. And by homosexual, I mean man-on-man action because lesbians are like nowhere to be seen, it seems. But one of the big things was population. They were worried about the population dwindling because it said by like 1630, 1640, more people were leaving America to go back to England than were coming over from England. So they were experiencing a real population crisis. So anytime sperm was not used for procreation, it was condemned. So masturbation, mm. homosexual activity, anal intercourse, all of that stuff was verboten because of the need to procreate. So it wasn't necessarily based on it thinking that it was ill behavior. Right. It didn't have anything to do mm. with the theology. Mm-hmm. It was all about procreation. Mm. And the author makes a pretty bold statement that this parental persecution of the next generation that the Puritans conducted, that such persecution and propaganda wasn't seen again in the world until Nazi Germany, Mm. which is pretty profound. Yeah. Pretty profound statement. So that was very interesting to me, that part. Um, Not something I ever thought about. I, I don't think I've even read about gay history in terms of, you know, that far back in American history. So it's, you know, gay pride month, it's pride month. So this is not exactly uplifting reading, as you can, <laughs> as you can tell. Yeah. Um, but I thought it's fascinating. And I think anytime you can learn a little bit of history and, and what different groups have yeah. experienced, and what individuals have gone through to try and live authentically. Well, and also to important. shatter some perceived notions of how you think you know, like if you if you told me why he was murdered, I would have had a perception as to why that might have looked a little different than what you just explained. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. And it was interesting too because the guy, the author, makes a point that they they made a point to say that the sodomy happened in England, hmm. as if to say like sodomy doesn't happen here. Right. It was back in England right. where, yeah. you know, that's why we left. Right. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. So. Right. Yeah. So again, that is the American Byron. By John Halleck. I am still currently reading a book I was currently reading in the last two episodes ago, I think, <laughs> called It Happened at Two in the Morning by Alan Hurska. This is the one I waited forever to get right, from the yeah. library, and now it is grossly overdue <laughs> with the library, which might be why I was waiting. Um, it's 
written by a lawyer, which as I've said many times on the podcast, I love. I would say the writing, as soon as I started reading it, I was like, this is like staccato music. Mm. It's just really fast paced, really quick. I love it. I have not picked it up since I left. It was one of those things that when we were leaving to catch the train to book expo, I had it in my hand and I was like, it's not that big of a paperback. I'm going on this huge trip. I really want to take it. However, there are, there are about a hundred books between this one and you know what I knew I was going to be doing at Book Expo. I could not justify packing a book because yeah. I knew I would be able to pick from the hundred we were choosing to bring home. You mm. know, which I did, which was the Barbara King solver that I picked up at Book Expo. So, I'm hoping to get back into it because I'm sure. The reason I can't renew it is because someone else is waiting for it at the library. Oh, yeah. So I'm creating okay. another traffic jam on this one you copy are. Yeah. in the entire Connecticut system. There's someone in Connecticut cursing. Yes, exactly. So I'm more on this one. I hope to finish it this week. It happened at 2 in the morning. Alan Fruska. Well, I started listening again to an audio book that I somehow lost track of, Code Girls. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the untold story of the American women codebreakers who helped win World War II. And that's by Liza Mundy. I don't know why I stopped listening to it. I go in phases listening to podcasts and audio in general, I think. And I did have a lot of work crunch going on the last couple months where I needed to really focus. So I I didn't have anything on. But that work crunch is over now. And so I'm listening to audiobooks again. And I'm enjoying it very much. Good. Yeah. I'm listening to Little Women. I started it in one of my airport stints. I couldn't read at the time and I was, oh, I know I wanted, I had a really long layover at the Baltimore airport. So I thought I want to walk a little bit, Mm -hmm. but I want to read also. So I thought, oh, listen to Little Women, get started. And um, I, people have been asking, because I think on episode 50, I said that I was going to do a little research on the narrators, because mm-hmm. there are so many there are. audio versions. Yeah. So the two I researched um, and that were available to me are the narrators. One of them is Lorelai King, and the other is Justine Iyer. And I've started the Lorelai King, and I mm-hmm. like it very much. Both of them are very experienced narrators. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty close to being finished but it was kind of a distracted listen so my idea is I think I'm going to listen to it with both the narrators and I started it on my (laughs) e-reader but both both Chris and Aunt Ellen kind of shamed me out of reading it on an e-reader we like to well also Will Schwalbe also agreed with us that you should read it in book form and we didn't mean to like be bully and shaming you (laughs) we were just trying to make the point that this book is 150 years old and what a tradition to follow in, to hold it in your hands on a warm summer day yes. and read it that way. Yeah. So we were just being more traditionalists. You were encouraging. <laughs> well, and the interesting thing is, you know, we did post for those of you who follow us on, I think we just did it on Facebook or did we do it on other social media? Mm. Pictures of um, one of our listeners sent us the coolest set of Louisa May Alcott books she got when she was eight years old. Yeah. She's about to turn 50. (laughs) She said for 42 years she has owned them and they have moved with her I think 12 times she said or something. So there's so many beautiful versions of the book also. So I could see how fun it would be to go to a secondhand store somewhere some used bookstore and find a really cool old version of it also. Yeah. And read it. Yeah definitely. 
Keep well, posting your pictures of your copies, yeah, everybody. It's so please fun. Do. Old, new, doesn't yeah. matter. It's so cool to see all the different color covers and illustrations and whatnot. Yeah. I listened to a preview of an audio a recording of Little Women when I was sick in bed. And, like, you know, I didn't want to sleep, but I was so exhausted and right. strung out on cold medicine that I wanted books in my head. So I chose one, and I drifted off to sleep listening to it. And it was enjoyable, but it was a British narrator and i well i was kind of thinking like weird like oh really such an american novel such an iconic american novel i think it needs an american narrator american english yeah i mean i think i always like having a british voice in my head no matter what i'm listening to but you're right i mean i can see that it's um you know upsetting the classic nature of what it is i suppose those are my drug addled thoughts (laughs) (laughs) that's great Are we moving on now to just read? Yes. What have you just read? Barely nothing. <laughs> I finished. I think I. I think I finished this before we left for book expo, which is so sad. It's the it's the um, audible version of Dream More by Dolly Parton. Oh right, yeah. Which we've talked yes. about now several times. Um, this is, I believe, it was kind of like a more robust version of a speech she gave at a college graduation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And she sings a little bit, which is really fun. And it's really about, you know, like just advice she has for living your best life. Yeah. And the part that I loved, I mean, I loved the whole thing. And having Dolly Parton in your ears is like so uplifting. And she's hilarious. She's self-deprecating, you know, about her body and her life and everything. But at the end, I don't know if your version had this. I would think it would... There were like these Dolly Partonisms, these oh, outtakes kind of. Yeah, with the kind of like an interview vibe. With yeah, the guy. yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. it was hilarious where she told jokes about herself and yeah. kind of almost like you know these two people walk into a bar kind of jokes, mm-hmm. but about Dolly. You right. know that had nothing to do with drinking, so I don't know why I just said that, but you know about her breasts or about her hair or, or her plastic surgery. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that part I thought was really fun, and it almost felt like special features Mm -hmm. or something, you know, that she obviously didn't do at the graduation. Right, yeah. Yeah, I like that. And it's not easy for women to get away with self-deprecating humor Mm -hmm. because it's just not. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But I think she's one that that can and does and has for many decades now. Yeah. So I just loved it. And if you just want something that's just kind of uplifting and fun to listen to, because, you know, that's now audiobooks are the one, I think, what's the right way to say it, version of books now that are really growing in yes, popularity. Is yeah. that the best way to say it? Mm-hmm, yeah. Like yeah, ebooks have really plateaued. Um, and it really does affect your listening and enjoyment of a book based on the narrator. Mm-hmm. And so I think when someone who writes a book can actually deliver it well it's really extra special it really is yeah Yeah. i mean i remember the first time i tried audiobooks i used to drive back and forth all the time from chicago to lincoln nebraska and somebody said try audiobooks um so i did i checked two out from the library they were on cassettes it was moby dick and the other one was the autobiograph the autobiography of malcolm x Mm. and I tried Moby Dick first, and all just from Call Me Ishmael, I was like, "No way, eject!" <laughs> There's no way I can take that person's voice yeah, for yeah. this, you know, seven-hour drive. Yeah. So then I put in um, the autobiography of Malcolm X, and I 
was home in a blink of an eye. Wow. Like, I hated to stop for gas, but right. I wanted to keep listening because yeah. it was the narrator was outstanding. I have it in my head that it was James Earl Jones mm-hmm. who narrated it, but I don't think he did because I think I looked at one point for a recording of it, but mm. I don't know. I could have just, it was a great voice yeah. like that, though. So Like engaging. a commanding. Such a, yeah, yeah. such a great story. Oh, how fun. So I totally yeah. recommend that one. But yeah, I mean, some audiobooks. And and I think the way some narrators do it, mm-hmm. it helps you listen more. It helps you yeah. hang oh, yeah. on to things more. Because oh, there are yeah. some narrators where I'm just like, wait, what? Like, I, yeah. just, I just spaced out. Yeah. And I think there's something about some narrators who can keep you engaged yes. while listening. And it's the same when you go to readings that, or go to author events, and which I think is sometimes why... I can't stand to be read to because it's mm-hmm. like, oh, right, you can write. You <laughs> cannot read out loud very well, <laughs> you know, because it's a real skill. It is. And it's about it the sound of your voice and all that, you yeah. know. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. The droning is never good. Yeah. Well, I did get a lot of reading in just because I was sick in bed. I read District 8. I finished that, which I think I was reading last time right. by Adam Labor or Libor. And that is the first in the Balthazar Kovacs mystery series. It's set in Budapest. Really, you know, one of those books ripped from the headline type of things because it's dealing with refugees who've escaped from Aleppo or who have left Aleppo and the war in Syria. And they're stuck now in Hungary because the Hungarian government will not let them pass through to Germany and Austria, which is where they want to get to. Mm. They're saying it's because of terrorism and all this kind of stuff, but something else could be going on, and that something else is kind of what the story is about. So mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I look forward to, to more of that. I'm not sure when the second book will be coming out. I also read a book called From the Wreck by Jane Rawson, which is one that I mentioned that I'd be reading soon. That is from um, Transit Lounge, which is an Australian publisher. It just came out. And that's one that's shortlisted for the Miles Franklin Award. I love the book. It is, it's one of those books that's hard to classify. And I know a lot of people like to make a point of almost making them a category of their own. And, mm. and some books are put in there when they shouldn't be in. But right. this is definitely a book that is not easy to categorize. It's, it's part historical fiction, part ghost story, part science fiction almost, part oceanic studies. Wow. It's a coming-of-age novel in some ways with one of the young male characters. I really enjoyed it. It's, it starts with the sinking of the ship, the Edmella, in the South Australian coast in 1859. And that was an actual wreck that happened. This ship was hung up on the reef for like a week. Mm. And they couldn't get to them because of the tides and storms and stuff. So, you know, a week without food and water. You can go a week without food easy but a week without water, most people don't make it. Which is so tragic when you're sitting on a body of water. Exactly, yeah. Oh but salt gosh. water will yeah. kill you faster yeah. than not having water. And and actually, Jane Rawson, one of her ancestors was involved with that wreck. Oh, wow. So it's kind of interesting. She grew up hearing about it and everything. So it's one of those things that percolated um, for a long time in her mind. So, again, that's From the Wreck by Jane Rawson. I love the book. It, I, I couldn't put it down. It has and a it, great cover, too. Yeah, and it's yeah. one of those books, like, as soon as I finished it, I wanted to start reading it again. Yeah. It's, I think, just one of the most imaginative stories I've read in a long time. 
And you were reading it. You did take it to Book Expo with you. I did. And you, you took a couple breaks to go read. That's yeah. how much you were enjoying it. Yeah, so, I yeah, did. That's yeah. great. So really good book. I also reread Gift from the Sea by oh. Anne Morrow Lindbergh. And that came out in 1955. So it's been around for a long time. And this is the third time I've read it. So I read it in my 30s and in my 40s, and now I'm 52, and just read it again. And I love the book. It's Some people have criticized it for being really past its time. You know, it was written in a time when heterosexuality was the norm, mm-hmm. and m- women married, and women had children, and the men went to work, and the women stayed home. So there is some of that. I mean, she... But I think that's kind of a... So let me back up and say, yes, it's heterosexual, but I don't think it's heterosexist. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Anne Morrow Lindbergh was a very open-minded thinker. I think she was writing from her experience, and she does include different types of women's lives. You know, she talks about how some friends, they have their career, and some friends have kids, and, you know, some friends do different things. So it's not like she was just talking about one way of living at all. No, my my memory of it, she's really talking about the state of marriage as part of it and finding yourself and losing yourself and finding Mm -hmm. yourself, which we can all do in any kind of relationship or without a relationship. See, and I I would say like she does talk about marriage, but I would I really think it's even broader than that. Just relationship. Yes. And your relationship with yourself, I think, is her core point, because the book is about her. She goes off to a cottage on an island where she's alone at the beach for quite a while and she's inspired by different shells she start, you know she picks up mm. shells on the beach like we all do and i love how she talks about initially like she's picking up everything right Her pockets are yeah. weighed down and everything and towards the end you know she's more selective about what she picks right. up and so she has you know eventually these iconic shells of different forms and each chapter is inspired by what that shell, the the life she imagines living in that shell. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so beautiful. It, is. it really it is. is. So and there's I, a picture of each of the shells yeah. at the beginning of the chapter. And yeah. it's so she's talking about like so her point is women need to take time for themselves. Right. They need to take time to be in touch with themselves, to figure out what they want and who they are in all in all times of their life. And so she talks about different times in your life, you know, from being an adolescent to, you know, that busy time when a lot of people are having kids and everything and it's frantic and busy. And then, you know, middle age when kids are gone or you haven't had kids and you're aging and then, you know, old age, which is not something she really talks too much about because she's not there yet. Mm -hmm. But I love what she talks about middle age as being almost, instead of some people look at it as such a, an ending, mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, I'm dying, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Where she talks about it as, like, it can almost be a second adolescence because she talks about how in middle age you have some of the same feelings that you have as an adolescent, you know, this impatience, this fear of the future and not knowing what's going to come next. And you a lot of people do tend to have more time yeah. on their hands to, to be thinking of these things. So, and it made me think about men too, with their midlife crisis that, you know, it's, it's not just a gender thing. I think it's a human thing oh, in a lot of ways. It's just yeah. expressed differently because of cultural norms probably. So anyway, I love the book. I, I think it's one of those books that you do grow with, mm-hmm. you know, cause that, I, yeah. cause I think the first time I read it, I, 
I was a little put off by it, mm. I think, you know, because mm. I'd heard such great things about it. And I read it and I thought, eh. you know, the first time I read a book, I'm reading it to read the book. Right. And then, you know, if you take time to reflect on it, that's when I think the book comes alive a lot more, mm. especially when it's a really short book that's such an easy read. I think that first time I just kind of flipped through it and was like, okay, yeah, yeah. whatever. You know, it doesn't really relate to yeah. me. I'm, yeah. I don't have kids. I'm not straight. You know, I'm not in a relationship. I'm not middle-aged. I'm not middle-aged. <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. So with each passing read, it's meant more to me. And I love it. And I think she was ahead of her time mm. in a lot of ways. And the the edition I read was the 50th anniversary edition. Um, so... It had an introduction by her daughter. Yeah, that's one I have. Yeah. I love it. And Anne Merle Lindbergh was a writer in her own right. This mm -hmm. wasn't her only book. She was also an aviator. She was married to Charles Lindbergh, the famous aviator. And she had kids. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, like when she talks about having kids, it's not just like the typical these days, you know, two, maybe three. Like she mentions like four or five kids. Right. You know, so yeah. talk about a, you know, a full house and... Right. Bumpy life, yeah. you know. I love the shell imagery that she uses. Yeah, for that, it's a book. I mean, I, it's very rare that I circle a book or highlight a book or write in the margins. And I did all of that in that book. Someone mm -hmm. gave it to me as a gift when I moved here. Oh, really? So the yeah. timing. It was my first time reading it, and it actually it's funny. It sat on my shelf for a year. I love the cover, mm -hmm. and then finally, my second summer here, I picked it up and I just fell in love with that book. That's cool. And. Um, and I also think that there are times in your life and it's a real luxury to be able to do it. But, you know, the premise of that book is, as you said, she goes away to a cottage and she really leaves her life as you, she knew it behind mm -hmm. for a short period of time. She doesn't, you know, she goes back to her other life. But, yeah. if, you know, I think that going to the sea water for me is really huge. And I think it is very healing and you can reflect on things in your life differently when you have water available to you for some people There's, it's the mountains right. you know? yeah. um but that's really a lot of what the book was about as well and i just i just loved it too so yeah but i haven't thought about rereading it so maybe that should be like an you know annual read or mm -hmm. a, you know every i don't know every a decade it yeah. seems so far away but maybe every yeah. few years yeah uh, you know it's just it's and she talks about you you know taking time in your day and in your week mm -hmm. and in your month and and I yeah. think that's really, and I think too that, you know, it's hard, especially if you don't have a supportive spouse, which that's something else to think mm -hmm. about. Why do you have a spouse who isn't supportive? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, to, to train your children too, mm -hmm. to have alone time. I mean, alone time was huge in my family. Right. Like, yeah. it's what we did. And I, I know some people don't raise their children that way. Mm -hmm. They're constantly entertaining their kids and... I kind of worry about that kid's future. Yeah. They, well, also, you know, I mean, with these screens now, we're constantly entertained. So that's a whole other thing I worry about when I see kids. I mean, I used to, when I was flying. Oh, first of all, I would like to say, if I could just completely talk about something left turn for one second. <laughs> I know that one of the very earliest episodes of this podcast, I stated how terrible I am with names and that if I ever ran for political office, I would put into, I don't know, pass a law where everyone has to wear a name tag all day long, every day, or get it tattooed on their forehead or something. I would like to pass another law. I'd like to add to my ticket. Is it? No, that's not how you say it. Your platform. My, my platform. <laughs> that anyone who's reading a book has to have on their forehead a post-it that says the book they're reading. Because all this traveling I did... 
I was so frustrated. Like, I mean, it was so fun on the subways in New York to see everybody reading. People mm-hmm. read, but I wanted to know what they were reading. Mm-hmm. Airplanes, I wanted to know. The airports, I wanted to know. Yeah. I don't know why I just said I so needed to talk were, about that. Were right a lot of people moment. reading e-readers on e-readers or... Or just they were, you know, how they you fold your paper back um, around, you can't yeah. see. I try to read the words at the top of a page, and, you yeah. know, that's when I... We had a listener who sent us a, the most hilarious email about, like, <laughs> trying to contort her body on an airplane to see what a passenger, fellow passenger was reading, and she fell over and, like, landed in someone's lap. And she said, I'm telling you guys this story because I'm sure that both of you <laughs> could fall for the same th- problem, you know, but... um. There was a reason I just went on that tangent. I don't know. Something about a plane. Traveling. Traveling. Yeah. <laughs> I just completely right. lost my train of thought. Okay. So anyway, that was Gift, Gift from, from the Sea. <laughs> and Merle Lindbergh. We both Excuse highly me. recommend that one. Yeah. And I'm sure that in the middle of the night, I'm going to remember why I went on that tangent. Yeah. It'll come It'll up. be too late. So I also read one more. I read a graphic novel. Ooh. The, the Naval Institute Press is coming out with a new imprint called Dead Reckoning, which is going to be their imprint that focuses on graphic novels. That is so cool. I think it's really cool. This, this they, they are coming out initially with four that are coming out in September. And I have copies of them um, that they kindly sent me. I read the first one called Trench Dogs, or I should say the first one I read is called Trench Dogs by Ian Densford. And this one is about World War One, And it has no words, or I should say very few words. And they're more like, you know, little highlight words. But the they're all animals. All the people in here are different animals. And at the very end of the book, he does have a, what would you call that? A little... Like a key? A key, yeah. To like who the different nationalities are. Because in this short graphic novel, how long is it? It's... Are there page numbers on here? There's not even page numbers on this copy that I have. But it's not a very big graphic novel. It's not very long. But he covers the whole war in various countries... So Britain, Belgium, India, Germany, France, Italy, Austria-Hungary, Russia, uh, the Ottoman Empire, the United States, the Spanish flu, which is represented as a skeleton, skeleton. um, which took out millions of people. And then he also includes a bunch of influential figures, which I thought is interesting. Alice Paul, Lucy Burns, Ida B. Wells, Virginia Woolf. Um, and, and more so he has that key in there and there's okay. also some recommended reading now there oh. there are no words and it's pretty and it's not it's watercolor mm-hmm. which is another thing mm-hmm. so it's not exactly really hard crisp lines but it's very graphic with a lot of violence Hmm. And I would think reading this with a younger person, they might need a little context yeah. to understand really what's going on. So I read it twice, and, and I got more with each reading. Hmm. But I'm kind of well-versed with it because I had a World War One book club for a while. So even with having a pretty good idea about World War One, there's still so much embedded yeah. in each panel that there's just a lot to a lot to learn with that. So again, that's Trench Dogs. Ian Densford, it's a graphic novel coming out September 15th from the Naval Institute Press's new Dead Reckoning imprint. We'll put a link to that. So that's going to be really cool. And so those will be graphic novels that focus on some aspect of military life, military training, military activities. 
That's fantastic. Yeah. Very cool. It's pretty cool. I mean, the Naval Institute Press is interesting because they used to only do nonfiction. Mm-hmm. And then in the 80s, they took a chance and published The Hunt for Red October. Right. Tom Clancy's novel, which was rejected all over the place. But they published it because it was so technically accurate. And then Ronald Reagan read it and praised it. And that's why it became a bestseller. Mm. And a movie. And a movie. And, yeah. yeah. And a whole big, long series mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is still going, even right. past Tom Clancy's death. So it's kind of interesting, or it's just kind of cool to see a press keep trying something new. Right. Not keep trying something new. That makes it sound like it's a desperate thing. But, you know, taking a chance on a new different venture. Avenue. Different yeah. avenue. right? Yeah. yeah. Biblio Adventures. Book Expo, book Expo 2018. Much it. Yeah, Book <laughs> Expo. It was so much fun. And yeah. I'd like to take a moment just to thank, I guess it's Reed Communications who they put on Book Expo, thanking them for the media passes. Yeah. Because it's it's great to have that. Um, you do have to apply for a media pass. They're not just handed out. So we're grateful to them for Yeah. It's really giving us a media pass to be able to go wonderful. and do this. Yeah, yeah, it was a great experience. It's Really fun, really overwhelming, but in a good way, you mm-hmm. know. It's also really uplifting to me to think about just these masses of people who work in the book industry and who, and then the masses of us who are there to celebrate the book industry and spend time seeing what's coming next. Mm-hmm. It can be a little depressing to think of, like, <laughs> all the, you know, the lack of reading I've done in the last two weeks and all the books there are to be read, but that's a pretty good problem. Yeah. Not something to be too depressed about, so. <laughs> yeah, you won't run out of reading material right. anytime soon. Right. So, but I think as we, we did post some videos on our YouTube channel about being at Book Expo, and it's a, like a big, any kind of convention. You have rows and rows of vendors with their booths set up to talk about what they have that's coming out, what's new. And there are also other types of vendors there. It's not all just publishers. It's um, businesses that support publishers and bookstores. There are also some sideline companies that were there. Right, sidelines are the things that are sold at bookstores yeah. that aren't books. Yeah, you know? so one of my fun things was uh, Blackwing Pencils were there, which yeah. is fun. It was their first time. They're my favorite pencil, and it was kind of cool to see them. Yeah. See them. I there. have my first black wing pencil. Yeah. But I have no sharpener, so I need to oh, fix that problem. I'll give you one. I have a couple. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. And then, like, out of print was mm-hmm. there, out of print clothing. Mm-hmm. Was there, we met Todd, who's one of the founders of the company. He founded it with his friend that he's known since second grade, right. which is really cool. Yeah. They so. make really cool socks, cool t-shirts. They make the mug that we're giving away in the, that we gave away, I should say, yeah. for the 50th episode giveaway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's also business being conducted. Yes. So you kind of walk down some of these aisles and feel like, ooh, the next big author is, you know, they're trying to sell their manuscript or they're talking to a publicist or an agent or something, you know. And yeah. People are actually purchasing, you know, books and sidelines and stuff. So there's a lot of big business going on yeah, as well. Yeah, a lot of business going on. Yeah. And then there are stages because there's a whole education series as well. So you mm-hmm. can go to breakaway sessions and stages where different people are talking about, you know, subjects or books or things like that. Yeah, books, uh, you know, authors talk, being interviewed, um, 
we went to a couple of the educational panels. So just to give you an idea, so there's there's the big floor with all of the, the vendors out there, all the publishers. And then the stages, there were three stages that were kind of spread out in that where talks were going on. And then down in another area, there were, you know, the big conference rooms where they had the educational sessions. So a couple, I'll rattle them off. There was one on book, a book PR panel that was interesting that I went to. There was one on uh, the book reviewing crisis that we all went to. Emily, Russell, and I all attended that one. Um, we also attended one on uh, keywords, the importance of keywords and, and metadata, literature and translation. Mm-hmm. That was a really interesting panel talking about the state of translation today. Let's see, that was the last one I had listed here. We also went to a, a taping with Will Schwabe talking to three authors. Um, he has a podcast called But That's Another Story. Sadly, it's not going to be aired because there was too much ambient noise. Yeah, yeah, it was a great talk. He had so, you know, the hope was to record that live interview session. It was Lee Bardugo, uh, Wyatt Moore, and Rich Benjamin were in conversation with Will. And yeah. it was a really great conversation. Yeah. He's, he's a very good um, interviewer. Mm-hmm. I was going to say question asker. Interviewer is a little bit better word for that. <laughs> um, and, and it was just a really nice panel. And it was really fun. It was the end of the day. And he still was able to hold my attention which Definitely. is hard for me to do at five o'clock on a busy day yeah you know? after all of that stimulation yeah 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 so now throughout the day they have author autograph sessions where authors are signing their advanced reader copies and that's when you get a you can get a free copy and stand in line they have these going on in the booths on the main floor but then they also have this huge autographing area where the authors are sitting up on a platform and there are corrals in front of them, basically, and you just all queue up like cattle yep. and get in line. And it's so it's just that really big straight signing. So that was kind of cool. I listed a couple of the authors. Uh, Susan Orlean, Carolyn Frazier, Ibby Zaboy, Deborah Harkness, Tony Kirshner, Will Schwabies here, um, and Sally Field. We saw her. Mm-hmm. We saw Sally Field on the way to see Tony Kushner, I think. Yeah. And so we kind of paused and looked at her. And unfortunately, the advanced reader copies of her memoir that's coming out were gone already by the time we got back. But I would like to read that. Yeah. Yeah. I read something somewhere about it that she only felt free to write the memoir after her mom died. Mm, I can see that. So, Yeah. Yeah. Amen, sister. <laughs> so that's coming out this fall. Lots of great books coming out this fall. Yeah, Michelle, there was a big poster for Michelle Obama's book yeah. coming out. I also got Fiona Davis's new book mm-hmm. um, called The Masterpiece, which comes out August 7th, which is about Grand Central Station. Little teaser. Should we tease? Sure. The Book Cougars and Bookshop, Savoy Bookstore. Bank Square Books. And Bank Square Books. Yeah. I'm not sure which one. We Bank always Square. get them. Okay. Yeah. They're owned by both the same people. but So the Book Cougars and Bank Square Books. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Are, we're going to be hosting um, a historical fiction panel of authors. Fiona Davis will be one of, I think they're going to have four. It's not mm-hmm. completely settled yet. At Mohegan Sun on September 27th. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a ticketed event. So this is just a little teaser. More to come in More the to future. Come on that. Yeah. But yeah, Fiona Davis, this is her third book, I believe. She had The Dollhouse, then The Address, mm-hmm. 
And and now this one, the masterpiece. So I also stood in line for There, There by Tommy Orange. Mm-hmm. Now, the way these lines work is, you know, you can't get up there and say, like, I'd like a copy for my Aunt Sue and my Uncle Bob. Like, you know, it's one copy, keep moving. And he did say, I told him I was getting this for my daughter. That's a book that Anne Kingman talked about when we had her on a prior episode. And I knew that that was a book I wanted to get for my daughter. So when I saw he was there, I was like, yes. And I got a copy. He signed it for me. And then I told him it was for my daughter. And he said, well, would you like a copy for yourself? And I felt like I couldn't say yes because (laughs) it was breaking the rules. And I'm such a friggin' rule follower. (laughs) I would have been like, yeah. (laughs) So that is, I I was going to ask you if you had any book expo regret. That's my one regret that Mm. I don't. Because today I was like, it'd be really nice to be opening a copy of There, There. You know? Yes. So anyway, maybe I'll get Rachel to send me hers when she's done. But (laughs) do you have any regrets of any books you didn't take? I don't at this time. I I feel like, you know, after being sick in bed and then having to scramble to get work done, you know, when I was up and deadline stuff, I haven't really even had time to reflect much on it. Like I was hoping to have that week to really kind of reflect and write a nice blog post and blah, nothing, none of that yet. So um, I did realize later, though, that I never went and saw Minotaur Books. Oh. Can you believe that? Like, they were, like, yeah. one of my top publishers to go visit and say oh. hi. Oh, that's too bad. Didn't, yeah. I was like, I don't know what happened with that. But Also, well, that's your regret. We each have a regret. That's yeah, I mean, so there's bad. just so much to do. And I, yeah. I do feel like this year we we had a little bit of a better plan mm-hmm. of action. I think we paced ourselves better. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we got to meet up with Allison Law from... Literary Atlanta. We had lunch with her and some of her colleagues from yeah. the Atlanta area. We wanted to record with her too, but that didn't work out. It's so busy. Yeah, you know, I think you have the best intention and the best plans, but it's just so busy there. It's maybe she wasn't thrilled with the idea of recording in our hallway studio either on the floor. <laughs> oh, she would have been. <laughs> no, I'm with kidding. That. I'm kidding. We'll, we'll get we'll get together with her again. Um, on the stages, though, they also, the stages were a little different. They weren't really, I mean, they were kind of educational, but it wasn't like closed door education sessions like the ones downstairs. Mm-hmm. So I got to see, um, well, the two of us sat in on Megan Mullally and Nick Offerman, who mm-hmm. are a married couple. I'm sure some of you know. Comedic actors. Comedic actors. Yeah. Um, and they have a memoir coming out that sounds wonderful. And they were hilarious, as you might expect. Uh, wonderful in a raunchy kind of way. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then I got to see Abby Jacobson, who's one of the duo of Broad City, if you're Broad City fans. And Chris Gethard, who's, um, I guess he's a comedian. I have to admit, I didn't know who he was. But they spoke together, and it was funny. And they both have memoirs coming out in the fall. I don't think they mentioned... They probably did mention the titles, but I didn't catch them. So those were two stage sessions that I really liked. And we should say we kicked off... For the first time this year, they had kind of a kickoff event. Yeah, they had a keynote speaker. Right. Um, kind of open up Book Expo, which I thought was a great idea. Yeah. And it was Lun Riggio, who is the famed CEO of Barnes & Noble... And he just really gave a wonderful talk, really motivating and interesting. I could have listened to him talk for much longer. But I thought it was a really wonderful way to kick things off and make it feel like an official event where people were coming together on this mission of celebrating books and getting books into the public's hands. And and I really enjoyed that. I, I thought it set a good 
vibe for the yeah. whole for the whole yeah. show instead of just the doors are open now right. and people can stream right. in scramble yeah. yeah no it was nice to have like a place to go sit down gather our wits mm-hmm. we met russell right before that we all sat together it was really nice yeah. it was yeah. nice and he talked about his background and and the person who introduced him talked about reggio's philanthropy work his yeah. work in philanthropy and all the amazing work he's done yeah so. yeah i wanted to look that up and also Y.A. Two More has a really cool nonprofit that puts books into the hands of kids, I think, mm-hmm. in Africa or something. So I wanted to look that up also. Yeah. So I, too, have some, you know, I have not had the chance to reflect either, yeah. but I would like to do that more. Yeah, so. so who knows? You might hear more about Book Expo yes. next time. And, um, and we have our box. We, we sent, we, we tried to oh, be very discerning yes. about our books. <laughs> we and did. we we put all of them, you, you can kind of gather them as you go. So we put one box together. It was 70 pounds. The limit of the box, we were told, as 60. we put it on the scale, <laughs> was 60. But the woman was so sick of people in their books. By that, that point in the week, she was like, I don't care. I don't Just care. put tape on Just it. Just don't do it with the next box. Yeah, exactly. another one. So we did that. And then the box came, like, the next day. And the FedEx person didn't ring the bell or anything. And, I, you know, we were home all day. And I happened to go to the front door and just kind of look out. And there was a box sitting on the front porch all the way at the edge of the porch with a big puddle of water on it. I was like, what the? So I ran out there and muscled it in and just ripped it open and threw the books out on our our bench. Thankfully, nothing was wet or damaged. But that was kind of a surprise. I couldn't believe it came the next day. Yeah. And the, and we're gonna take a picture. We'll put a, we'll post a picture yeah. for you guys to see all of our loot. But yeah, it was a good time. And we should also say thank you to Aunt Ellen. We slept yes. in her apartment the whole time. It was wonderful that to was have great. a nice quiet abode to come home to every night. Yes. Oh my so. gosh. And thank you too for the great dinner too. Yes, <laughs> Ellen, because that was nice too. That one night yeah. we got home and there we was Thai food waiting for us. Yes. Yeah. Delish. Table set. So, it was yeah. awesome. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So another book expo under our belts. Yes. So what about any upcoming adventures? Have you had time to make any plans or think that through? You know, the only thing I noticed um, on social media, I saw that the Branford Library, the Blackstone, Mm -hmm. they're going to have a behind-the-scenes tour of the Mm. library this Saturday morning at 9.30. I might go to that because yeah. I like the Blackstone a lot. And Me I know too. that they're going to be undergoing a big renovation soon. Mm-hmm. Which I'm excited for them because they really do need the space. But I'm sad for me because it's one of my favorite places to go work. Yeah. So I'm not sure what's going to happen. I know. I've seen the pictures. It's a major renovation. Yeah. But, but most huge. of it actually seems like an addition. So it might be mm-hmm. that the main core of the library stays pretty undisturbed for working while they're doing it. I don't know. Yeah. You just have to put up with jackhammers. We'll see. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah, what about you? Do you have any upcoming jaunts? Well, when we did our big um, book expo, we, we did it, um, as Chris mentioned, we have a couple YouTube videos, and one of them we did with these cool new mics that we were able to buy because of some of our patrons. Yes, thank you, people thank who you have very sent much. us some donations. And um, so I have, again, on our list to maybe go to the Noah Webster house and actually record when we're there. That'd be fun. Because that has yeah. been on our list for months. And the weather's gotten nicer. I think it'd be a nice time to go. That's in West Hartford. 6-19, June 19th. I can't believe I'm already talking about the teens of June. But um, the Wheeler Library with Bank Square Books is hosting Jennifer Egan, 
who has a book out in Manhattan Beach, which might actually, I think this is probably her paperback tour at this point. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. and she's also the author of Visit from the Goon Squad, which won a... Think won a Pulitzer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I would love to go hear her speak. What day of the week is that, do you know? I think... I don't. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. I do, I would like to read Manhattan Beach. Yeah, I, me too. I've heard, I've heard mixed things about it, yeah. but the people who've had the mixed part... I tend to not really gravitate towards books that they like anyway. So, Well, it's interesting because Literary Disco, which is one of my favorite um, book podcasts, did read this book together Mm -hmm. and they all liked it. They didn't like it as much as Visit from the Goon Squad, but they they're all writers and they all said she's a perfect writer, Mm -hmm. which made me want to read it even more. Like what what does that mean? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. I haven't read A Visit to the Goon Squad. I was glad I read it because part of what people talked about about that book is how she did such different things with the novel. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's a PowerPoint in it and, you know, just some really odd. She kind of shook up the notion of what the novel is, you know. But I found it had so many characters. I found it very confusing. But then a fellow Booktopian, Kathy turned me on to character maps, which I had never heard of, where people literally create character maps and just they'll just post them on the web. Nice, yeah. And so once I saw the character map, which was crazy because there were arrows in 5,000 directions, <laughs> but then I could kind of understand how all the characters related to each other a okay. little bit better. So it was a little bit of a confusing book, but I was mm-hmm. glad that I read it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of those books. So I sometimes get it a hair about really popular books, mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to read that because yeah. it's popular, you know? <laughs> but then when it wins a Pulitzer, do you change your mind or no? Not necessarily. Okay. Maybe eventually I will. Yeah. Um, and then I'll be like, why did I wait so long to read that? Right. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> but there's, yeah, there's just something about that with the way my brain is. Yeah, it resists. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've talked about the hype thing, too, mm-hmm. and how that can affect your actual enjoyment of a book. Yeah. So I never think it's a bad idea to wait. Except that then you have to go back and listen to what everybody said, and you have to dig back in mm-hmm. archives to find out. But that's not hard with it, it's with not. that thing called Google. Now. Google, Google. <laughs> and then actually the next day, so this is like oh, dueling, dueling <laughs> events. Also being Square Books, Claire Masood is going to be oh, there oh. with Burning Girl, which is her new book, which is probably also a paperback tour at this point. Okay. She wrote that book, The Woman Upstairs, yes. which was like, which... you know, got a lot of. Uh, kerfuffle around it because people said that someone famous said it was an un what do you call that un unreliable narrator no not unreli- unlikable Un-oh. unlikable narrator well, who cares exactly so there was a bunch of kerfuffle about that one and i have to say i loved that book and it's the only audiobook i've ever been listening to i walk a lot when i listen to my audio where i said very loudly out loud Oh, my God, because something happened that was so shocking to me. And all these people turned and were like, are you OK? You know, and then I was horrified. But um, but I would love to see her. I did get to see her speak at the Thurber House in Columbus mm-hmm. um, when she was on a tour for the woman upstairs. OK, she's super brilliant. And she lives in the Boston area, I think. I See, I have yeah. that book. It's on my shelf at home. Yeah. But I haven't read it yet. But I want to. Like, yeah. That's one. It's so many books. I know. So little time. I know. And oh we've my got god. Seventy pounds of them sitting <laughs> on my table. So we got to go through those. <laughs> oh gosh. How about upcoming reading? Yes, I got a book from Harper. 
Which I don't know. Are they just Harper now? Because on the side it says Harper, but on the inside it says Harper Collins. So I don't really understand that. I don't know. But it's called The Lost Family by Jenna Blum. And I'm just going to read you the first paragraph of the inside flap. It says, In 1960s Manhattan, patrons flocked to Masha's to savor its brisket Wellington mm-hmm. and impeccable service and to admire its dashing owner and head chef Peter Rashkin. With his movie star good looks and tragic past, Peter, a survivor of Auschwitz, is the most eligible bachelor in town. But he does not care for the parade of women who come to the restaurant hoping to catch his eye. Mm. He has resigned himself to a solitary life. Running Masha's consumes him, as does the terrible guilt of having survived the horrors of a Nazi death camp, while his wife, Masha, the restaurant's namesake, and two young daughters perish. So it is, you know, World War Two Holocaust book, which I truthfully don't read much anymore because I feel like, well, it's sad. Which is not a reason not to read a book, but also I've read so many versions of the story. Yeah. But this one caught my eye, partly because of the restaurant, Mm -hmm. I have to admit, and the food component, and it's getting great praise. I was going to say I'm surprised because I know we've had that conversation of like, you know, getting kind of a little burnt out on a particular topic. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. And she is on a big book tour right now, Jenna Blum. So if you're interested... Um, I just missed her. She was in Westport last week when I wasn't mm. around. You know, you might check out her author webpage if you're interested in seeing her. And then I have to say this week I've been very devastated by Anthony Bourdain's suicide. Yeah. And Kitchen Confidential has always been on my TBR. So I'd like to move that up a little higher okay. just in honor of him. And and I want to just say, you know, there have been a lot of suicides this okay. year with people I know. One of my friends committed suicide on January 1st of 2018. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it really set a tone this year for lots of suicides seemingly that yeah. I've known about. So just a public service announcement. I'm not quite sure what to say except, you know... Take care and find help if you can. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are, are saying that to, to reach out for help. And mm-hmm. a lot of people are saying, too, like to check in with friends a bit more. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. you know, with Kate Spade, too, and, mm-hmm. and Anthony, uh, you know, a lot of people saying, I just talked to him. He sounded fine. Mm-hmm. She sounded happy. Like, it's, you know, depression and suicide. I think people who are prone to depression and suicide, they're really good actors. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't yeah. want to put their heaviness on other people so I think it's it's hard and I can't imagine being that caliber of famous person Mm -hmm. right um yeah it adds another layer of complication for sure and complexity but I I also just think you know that um one of the things I read this week that really set with me is that you know there are people who we know who are you know like they might be battling cancer right now and people come and, and kind of rally around them and do meal trains and, you know, help get people through bad patches. But people who suffer from, you know, depression or other forms of mental illness, it's a lifelong battle. Mm-hmm. So it is really important if you know somebody who has that struggle to keep checking in with them. And it doesn't, you know, I also don't want to put the onus on the people around, exactly. you know, Anthony Bourdain, that it was their job to, you know, prevent this from happening. But, right. you know, if we can help, it's always good to, you know, touch base with the people that we love. Absolutely. So, and it yeah. is, it's, it is, um, you know, we're adults and we're responsible for our lives. Mm-hmm. And I think 
mental health, it's not just a, you don't just go see a therapist for a couple times and then you're fine. Like right. it's, it's a lifelong daily, it's like hygiene, it's mental health mm, hygiene. Right. And, yeah. and I think there's just obviously such a need for education about mental health. And, you know, and I think the thing about going to a therapist, if you can afford it, and if you can't, hopefully there might be a state run facility near your home. Mm. I know I took advantage of that when I lived in a state that had that and I needed help. It's sometimes good to go to somebody who you don't know yes. because having that objectivity, yep. they don't know you, they don't know your family because sometimes our families and our friends, yep, they have skin in the game. They it's do, different. you know, yeah. and and they have this idea of who you are. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not like that or right. or don't think that and that's not what you need if you're struggling. So right. I don't know. I think getting professional help, going to see a spiritual advisor can yeah. be helpful too. Yep. I know. Yeah. It's yeah. just really shocking. Yeah, it is. It really is. And yeah. I mean, they're saying suicide is up 25, 30% mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. So. Well, I can say from my experience this year, I can attest to that. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 What about you? Upcoming reads. Well, I will be reading Middlemarch by George Eliot. Ooh, that's a big gun. It is a big gun. Have you read it before? I have not. Okay. I've read Adam Bede by George Eliot, and I really enjoyed that. As I I wrote in a blog post about, oh, this is at Sue, one of our book book, uh, Topia friends who has a blog called Book by Book. Um, She does a big book summer reading. Right. Oh, that's what I was going to talk about that. So Middlemarch has been on my list to yes. read for quite a long time, but it's like 800 pages, so it's not a book to be taken on lightly. And as with so many classics, and especially like 19th century and earlier, you have to give yourself time to read the book. Mm-hmm. It's not like you can say, I'm going to pick this sucker up and, you know, right. plow through it. Like, it, you, you have to give yourself to the book. Yeah. Um, so I decided it was time to do Middlemarch. And that read goes through Labor Day, is that right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, so Sue's book challenge, big book challenge, it's Memorial Day to Labor Day, and the challenge is to read at least one book that is more than 400 pages. And I outed myself on her Facebook page about my book, but I'm not prepared to out myself on the podcast about what book it is yet. Okay. <laughs> I will, maybe that'll be my upcoming read in July, because <laughs> yeah. I have too much to read until then. Yeah. But. Yeah. yeah, I think it's fantastic that she does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun challenge, and yeah. I think you know, for some people, winter time is when they read longer books or bigger books. And for me, I kind, I kind of do like the summertime. Yeah, ask of it. Um, so yeah, so I'll be reading Middlemarch. I did. I got the Penguin Classics edition because I had a little paperback at home, a little mass market paperback. I was like, wow, <laughs> like the font shrunk since right. I bought that book. <laughs> And it didn't come with one of those, you know, those page magnifiers they have? I think one of those is going to be in my near future. Yeah. So that, and then, of course, Little Women. Yes. I'll be reading. Yes. Looking forward to to rereading that. Um, Getting back with the March girls. Excellent. Yeah, so lots of good reading, and I hope you all are out there finding good books to read and enjoying reading and etc etc yeah <laughs> going to some book events yeah yes hopefully we'll re- maybe I'll, I'll get to drag you along on one of these that i'm planning to go to we'll see what, what yeah i mean the jennifer you can yeah we'll have to look at the schedule because yeah. i'm i'm in town for the whole month of june so Yay. yeah 
Me too. Get out and do some fun things together. Right on. All right. All right, everybody. everybody happy happy reading. reading. Thanks for listening to The Book Cougars with Chris Wallach and Emily Fine. To keep the bookish conversation going online, join our Goodreads group or connect with us on social media. If you'd like to contribute to our hunt for a good read, you can donate on Patreon. And if you have a minute to review us on whatever app you use to listen to us, we appreciate it. It can help other listeners find us. Thanks, everybody.